Who's glad to be at church? Okay, so am I, so am I. I'm, I'm really excited um, to be up here preaching again. It's been like a couple of months already since the last time I spoke on Abraham. So I'm really excited uh, to be up here speaking on Samson. Samson. So if you will, let's open our Bibles to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we are going to read the very, very small mention of Samson in Hebrews chapter 11. It's found in verse 32. It says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Verse 34, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Did y'all catch Samson's mention in there? It was literally like Samson, and it just kept on moving. It kept on moving. So... With that, we're actually going to be in Judges. And let's turn to Judges, actually chapter, we'll go chapter 15. So the story of Samson actually goes through uh, chapters 13 through chapter 16. But I kind of wanted to focus a little more on chapter 15. And I'll kind of give an overview of chapters 13 and 14 and then also of 16. So before we get started, why don't we join the Lord in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, first and foremost, God. The Bible says that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. Thank you for your scriptures, God. I pray that you would open up everybody's hearts to receive what you want to have to speak to your church, God. This is your church, God. This is your word, Lord. I pray that I'm just a yielded open vessel for you today, a mouthpiece for you uh, tonight, Lord. I pray that what you would once said would be said and would be spoken through me tonight, Lord. Thank you for every individual here, God. I thank you for them making the, uh, the, the commitment to come out tonight, God, to, to meet with you, Lord. And it's all this in your name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So normally when you think of Samson, I don't know if the first thing you would think of is faith, Right? But he's clearly in the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 that we just read from verse 32 says he was. He was a man of faith. You know, normally when you think of Samson, you think of compromise and, and, and being led by the flesh and falling into temptation. That's normally what you think of, of Samson. In our, our passage tonight in Judges, Kind of where it's at in the history of, of, of Israel, we kind of see this as kind of some of the darkest days in the, in the history of Israel, right? God's chosen nation, his covenant people here, the people that he chose, that he had compassion on, that were supposed to be lights among to these other dark nations. This nation that was supposed to be a separate people for him, Devoted to him. They had so compromised. They had compromised. And they found everything in the land, in the world that they were living in at that time, just it all appealed to their flesh. 
God was supposed to be the king of this people, of his people. But, but in this state, they did what was right in their own eyes. Does that sound familiar to, to maybe some of the people of this day and age? Living life according to what's right in your own eyes. That's what God's people, that's where Israel was at at this time. And those words are words from, from chapter 20 of Judges. And we see over and over again in Judges, we see God in, in his incredible mercy, just one story after another, him having mercy on his people and not giving them fully what they deserve. What a merciful and good God that we have, and it's shown here even in the Old Testament scriptures. He's raising up a, a deliverer one after, one after the other, a judge one after the other, because as people kept going their own way, they kept, kept mingling, intermingling with the surrounding cultures and the surrounding peoples of their day. So we see God raising up these, these judges. And actually the Hebrew word there, it means deliverer or savior. That's what the word there means in the original language. And we've seen these people not stop and acknowledge, not stop and repent of their sin and say, God, we were so wrong. But instead they go deeper and deeper into worldliness, into living this life their own way. The surrounding peoples who, who did not honor the Lord, but worshiped this different idols and, and just lived in idolatry and these false gods, this attracted the, the people of Israel at this time during Judges. And we see in chapter 10 of Judges, it seemingly seems like, like God's like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm washing my hands clean here. But then we come to chapter 13 in this remarkable story of Samson. We've all heard of Samson, right? Most of us, maybe even in children's church, probably in children's church, or maybe in Sunday school, hearing about the story of Samson, right? You just think of this like bodybuilding, like guy who loved the Lord and was just like lifting stuff all the time, right? It's kind of maybe the picture you have of Samson, right? From, from, from children's church or from Sunday schools. But we're introduced to his beginnings in chapter 13. We see that there, that there was this promise from the angel of the Lord who visited Manoah and his, and his wife, Manoah's wife. These were Samson's parents. And again, I'm preaching on a barren couple, okay? So this woman was barren. And um, the Lord said, you're going to have a son and and from him, he's going to deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. But this deliverer, Samson, we'll see in this, in this story, in this passage, that he would, he would fall short time after time after time. Time and again, time and again, he would, he would fall short. Yes, he's in Hebrews 11, and yes, he is a man of faith. But this just reflects how bad the times were back in Samson's day. He was God's man. This was the guy that God had chosen. He was a man of faith, but he was also a man of incredible folly. And we see that in his story. We see this, this bright promised beginning. But the point of this whole story, this whole narrative, isn't that Samson's the hero of this whole story. 
It's really a story of how amazing our God really is. Can I get an amen? The story is about God and God working. God working through his people and even in the most unlikeliest of servants. We see the work of the spirit of God and the glory of God on display in Samson's life over and over in these four chapters of his tale. So we see the beginning of this. And and Samson, some say he, in moments he pictures, he's a picture of Christ, but he's also a picture of the life of Israel, just compromising left and right. He's a reflection of the people of Israel at that time as well. So that's who, that's who Samson is. That's a little bit of an introduction to Samson. He did, he did do what was evil in the, in the sight of the Lord time and time again. He was marked by compromise and, and not repentance like the people of Israel. And we saw the effects of his sin in this point. But this story is a story about God rescuing his people by his grace and showing us himself. So we come and we see chapter 13. We see this promised deliverer. We see Samson born. And then at the end of 13, it kind of goes into 14. The first thing that we see Samson do, as we mentioned, a man of compromise, the very first thing that he does, he decides to go down to Timnah, it says, And in verse 1, it says, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. He's already looking with his physical eyes. He's already, he's not not following the spirit of the Lord. He's already just being led by his flesh. Verse 2 says, then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Get her for me as my wife. But his attraction to the Philistines, that was normal. For that day, as I've already as I've already covered, but a Philistine wife is not an Israelite wife. It is not the type of wife that he was supposed to have. There was actually it was actually prohibited for them to intermarry at that time. So this wouldn't have been something for for, for Samson to pursue. But he says, "That's the woman I want. She's the one that I'm going to have." So he's drawn to this woman. And in, in the Hebrew, the emphasis is, is only on that woman, only on that, that Philistine woman. And we see his father pleading with him. He's like, is there not any of the daughters from your relatives or from our people that you can maybe choose from? Like, any of them? It's like a bunch over here. Can you choose one of these? He's like, nope, I'm singularly focused on this one Philistine woman. I want her. That's who I want. She's the one that I want. It says, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Verse 7, likewise, says, when he went down and talked with the woman, that she was right in Samson's eyes. Do we see Samson praying and asking God, Lord, who should I marry, Lord? Send her to me. Do we see that here? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Samson wasn't even taking the counsel of his father, but he was being led by his flesh, living according to what was right in his own eyes. Examine yourself. Do you live this way? Have there been moments even recently where you found yourself going this way, going after something right in your own eyes instead of what is right in God's eyes? 
being, being a guide unto yourself, being led by your flesh like Samson was. Now we see in, in also in that, in that passage there, and in, in actually in verse 4, two verses down, this was all God's plan. God's still working his sovereign plan. God's still in control of all of this, all of history. It's still, his, his will is still going to get accomplished. Even the guy he chose, even though he's led away by his flesh, he's led away by temptation, God's plan is still going to get done. Amen? It's still going to get done. It's still going to come to pass. And verse 4 of chapter 14 reminds us of that. This man, Samson, he struggled with temptation. And right off the bat, we see it here in verse 1 of, of chapter 14. So then that chapter, it continues with Samson taking this Philistine woman as he prepares this feast. And that word literally in Hebrew means drinking party. They're not, they're not talking about water. Okay? Drinking party. Okay? What about that, that, that vow that Samson took? way back when, to not touch a dead body, to, to not be a man of wine, and also to not, to not cut your hair, not have long, luscious locks, right, to keep those locks intact. What about that wine part? Is that going to go out the window here? Samson's not taking this vow seriously at all. He's not taking this calling serious at all. And I would question you, Christian, are you taking the call that God has on your life seriously? Are you living this Christian life? Are you taking it seriously? Are you just going through the motions, just showing up to church on Sunday, maybe Sunday night? Y'all are here Sunday night, faithful. But maybe just coming and going, and then the rest of your week is just like, I'm going to live it how I want to live it. Are you taking this thing seriously? Samson didn't take this call seriously. He broke his vow over and over and over again. But yet this is God's man. This is God's man here. He's listed in Hebrews 11. Remember, this is the, the man that God is using. And we'll get to see that as well. So chapter 14 continues and Samson loves to play games. He loves to throw these riddles out. And he does it with these 30 guys that are at his drinking party at this, at this seven-day feast. And these guys are struggling to, to try to answer this riddle, and they can't do it. They come together, it's not working out. So, of course, they go to his wife, right? Like, tell me your husband's secret. Like, tell me who, who, what the answer to this riddle is. And they end up getting that answer. So, to Samson's dismay, on the seventh and final day, they say the correct answer to this riddle. And so then we see Samson losing this bet. He goes and he kills 30 Philistine guys and gets their 30 garments and pays these guys with those garments. All right, I lost. Here you guys go. Cool. I just committed murder 30 times. Here you go. And then he goes back to his father-in-law's house. And look what verse 20 says. This is, and Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Ouch. Ouch. That's not a best man to me. Man, that must have been tough. And then that takes us to chapter 15, where we're going to kind of be for the majority of tonight. 
And it begins with the story of Samson here, who in some ways was the closest to a Christ figure, but sometimes he was the furthest thing from it. And I'm going to read some of chapter 15. Verse 1 says, After some days, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. Verse 2 says, And her father said, I really thought you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Like he's trying to make it right on the fly, right? Is her younger sister not more beautiful? Please take her instead. Verse 3, And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. Right, he, he's just brooding with, with, it, with, this, with this, just, just boiling over here at this point. And verse 4 says, so Samson, he went and caught 30 foxes and took torches. Now, I don't know how you catch 30 foxes, but Samson did it. And he took torches. And he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. I mean, it just paints a beautiful picture, like the imagery here in this, in this passage. Verse 5, and then... And when he had set fire to the torches, it says that he let the standing grain as, he lit the standing grain as, as well as the, the olive orchards. So this is all on fire. Everything's on fire at this point. Verse 6, then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of this Timnite, right, the son-in-law of this guy over here that Samson had, had talked to, who had given his wife away to his best man. It says, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And verse 7 says, and Samson said to them, if this is what you do, I swear I will avenge, I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. Verse 8, and he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow and went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock of Etam. Wow. Wow. Can you just picture all of that that just happened? I mean, it is, it is, it is riveting. So, so whether Samson was motivated here by, whether it's by anger or by revenge, whether it was righteous or whether it was not righteous, he's simply a tool in the hand of the living God. This is who God had raised up. This is the deliverer. This is the judge. This is the savior that God had chosen, that God had raised up. Even though God's people were uncooperative in attitude toward him, even though they had a hard heart toward him, in spite of their indifference toward God, he said, this is the guy that's going to deliver Israel. Because this is my plan. This is God's plan. And we see as, as Samson had, had longed for this Philistine wife, God was always working it in the background. He was always orchestrating this whole thing. It says in verse 4 of chapter 14, we're calling back to that verse, to seek an opportunity, to seek an occasion against the Philistines. Even though God's people had this hardness of heart, God will not allow his plan of redemption to fall apart. He will not allow his plan to not be accomplished. 
He will not let his people be extinguished by these Philistines. He will not let them be completely intermingled beyond recognition. He will not allow them, even in the hardest of their heart, in their, in their hearts, in these moments to go all the way, all the way into their sin. But he raised up this deliverer, although imperfect, although unlikely, one who would rescue Israel and one who would reflect Israel as well. And so we see, although Samson has this agenda, he has this, what he would want to do, God had an agenda as well. God was working this according to his plan the entire time. God had had enough at this point of this Philistine oppression. Even though Israel is completely fine, as we're going to see here, with, with being oppressed to these Philistines. They're used to it at this point, indifferent and apathetic. But God's not tolerating this anymore for his people. He's not going to let this happen any longer. So he uses this walking disaster in Samson, who's already violated this vow over and over and over again. But God was seeking an occasion against these Philistines. He was finding the right opportunity according to his plan. He was going after these godless pagans who had oppressed his people for far, far, far too long. And even in Samson's lust and his folly, even in his mess, his imperfectness, God's plan's accomplished. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you're going through right now in life, God's plan for your life individually will get accomplished. God's plan for your life will get accomplished. Tell your, tell your neighbor that. Turn to your neighbor say, God's plan for your life will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. Do you believe that? Do you honestly believe that? When Samson went into war against his enemy, he didn't go in like, oh, I wonder if this thing's going to work out, you know? He went in confidently. He believed it. Every time that he would go against these Philistines that they're going to get taken out. They're going to get taken out. God's enemy wasn't going to win. They would not win. And the enemy, his plan for your life isn't going to win either. God's, God's plan for your life is going to be accomplished. So we see him come to, again to this, to this father-in-law's door. We see him doing all these things, this, this, this lighting up this entire field of, of, of wheat harvest. How do, you, how do you take out this Philistine army? How do you devastate this powerhouse, this oppressive powerhouse? You can kill them heap by heap, which we're going to see later on. Or you can start with attacking them economically, and that's what happened here. And that's what happened when, when these foxes lit up this entire grain field. I mean, it took out all of this wheat. It took out all of their wheat. It hit them economically. This was Samson's revenge on these, on these Philistines for what had happened to his wife. This was him getting back to them, at them. And now we see their, their, their entire economy getting affected at this point. And verse 9 says, Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. Verse 10, And the men of Judah, so you got, you got the Philistines and then you got the men of Judah here. They're going to talk here. 
They said, why have you come up against us? And the Philistines said this, well, uh, we've come to bind Samson. Do you not see all the burning fields behind you? Right? We've come to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. So it's just a back and forth of getting each other back and forth. And look what the, look what the men of Judah said. Look what their response was. They're interacting with, with this oppressive people, the Philistines. They're, they're not fighting back against them. They're going along with whatever they said. And verse 11 says, Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of a town and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? They're talking to the deliverer. They're talking to their judge, to their guy, like this. And this was Samson's response. He says, as they did to me, so have I done to them. Verse 12, and they said to him, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They said, they bound him. They said, no, we will not. We will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Samson's like, I thought we had all this solved. I thought we had this thing figured out. You, I punished you. I just repaid you revenge for what you did to my wife. I mean, I took out the entire supply of your of your grain, of your nation's grain. But the tribe of Judah is literally saying, what have you done against us? What have you done? That's so sad. Where it starts off there, it says, do you not know? Talking to their guy this way. The men of Judah should be on Samson's side, not on the Philistine side. But they were so comfortable in this culture, just content, completely accepting this oppression from the Philistines. That gives you a perfect picture of this sad spiritual state of Judah at this time. Why couldn't these 3,000 men and Samson just go attack together? Nope, Samson's all by himself. But Gideon understood what to do with his mighty men. But it's just a sorry spiritual state that, that Samson's the only guy that could do it. He's the only guy that would stand up to this oppression. Right? It's, it's like they're saying, how, how dare you, you, you disrupt this comfortable oppression that we're in? Well, we like the idolatry that we have here. We're, we're comfortable in our compromise here. At least Samson knew how to fight Philistines. There's faith in that. He knew how to fight the enemy. When there's sin in our lives, are we fighting against that sin? Or are we just, let, just letting it come into home with us? Are we snuggling with that sin? Or you know what? I can coexist with sin in my life. Or are we fighting against that sin in our life? Man, these men of Judah, whom Samson has also been a reflection of, mind you, they're not fighting against these Philistines. But Samson's like, I'll stand up. I'll fight against these men. And we see time and time again him fighting these men, God using him to, to take out these Philistines. Don't be a Christian that lives in compromise. 
Don't be a Christian that goes throughout your life compromising one thing after the other. And God's word may say this, but you know, everyone else is doing this over here, so I'm gonna live this way. Don't live a life of compromise. Live a life committed to God. Live a life committed to his word. We must, we must be committed to his word. We must live lives committed to Christ and not lives integrated into Philistine culture, if you will. Don't be okay with the culture around you. Don't adopt their worldviews. Don't adopt their belief systems. Don't adopt their norms. They're going to be a detriment to you spiritually. We see it here in this passage. Don't let it seep in. Don't let it come in. Don't prefer your slavery to your sin over a a lifestyle that's radically devoted to what Christ demands. There's a lot of people who are marked with apathy towards sin. A lot of people who are okay with living this way, making peace with sin in their lives and just living on and going on about their day. Don't be a slave to your sin. Don't be okay with that. Don't find any comfort in a a life of compromise. Stand up and fight. Amen? Amen. So we we see the men of Judah, they were supposed to be on Samson's side. They're binding Samson. Like what? We y'all got this twisted. Y'all got this completely wrong. And so they, they end up binding him and like, here you go, oppressors, here you go, Philistine, Philistines. We're gonna betray him. Here you go. Does that sound familiar? Think of the life of Jesus. A few thousand years later. When his own people crucified him. He was put on the cross. You see the picture of the gospel even here. Even in in these four chapters. But God's plan is not deterred here. And we'll see that in verses 14 through 17. Now we see Samson empowered. In verse 14, it says, When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes were, were on his arms, became as flax that had caught fire. So they literally just fell right off. The bonds melted off of his hands. Verse 15, And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand, and took it, and with it he struck a thousand men. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down a thousand men. Verse 17, as soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and at that place was called Ramath Lehi. At that moment, we see the spirit of the Lord coming upon Samson. We see the spirit of God giving him Strength here. Right, we've already seen him just completely forget about this Nazarite vow. He's already torn into this goat. He's already torn into a lion. He already took honey out of the carcass of a lion. That, that don't touch dead stuff vow, that's fallen by the wayside long ago. So this is good. I'll just, uh, whatever, I'll rip this jawbone out of this donkey and use it as a weapon. 
Keeping this vow was the last thing on his mind. What was on his mind was the same thing that was on God's mind, that Philistines will be struck down today. These oppressors will be struck down today. They will be piled in heaps. And Samson commemorates this event with the song, Heaps Upon Heaps with the Jawbone of a Donkey. All of this is happening. All of this is happening while God's purposes are getting accomplished. Even in our mess, even in our imperfectness, God can still use you. God can still use you. Even though we are flawed individuals, I'll be the first one to raise my hand on that. We mess up, we make mistakes, we fall into sin. God can still use you. It's God is the one who qualifies you. It, he is, it is nothing in it of yourself that makes you qualified. Look at Samson's life. He even uses this man in his imperfection and in his compromise. We see that he's not concerned about this vow, but he's concerned with crushing the enemy, the Philistines. And in this single act, he, he delivers one of, one of Israel's greatest, greatest accomplishments done by one person in their nation's history by killing a thousand Philistines in one, at one time. What a moment, the empowerment of Samson, that God comes upon him and uses Samson in this miraculous way. It, this was all God. This is clearly all God. It always was God. Amen? We're, we're, we're rounding this thing out. Verse 18 says, and he was very thirsty. So after this fight, right, he's th I, I can't even imagine, right, all of this, taking out these, these 1,000 Philistine men. It says, after all that, he was very thirsty, and he called upon the name of the Lord. He called upon the name of the Lord and said, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Verse 19 and God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he was revived. Then the name of that place was called in Hakor. It is at Lehi to this day. Verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of, Philistines, of the Philistines 20 years. If you remember in the book of Numbers when, when the, the people of Israel were in the wilderness, we kind of see this same type of picture where water flowed from this rock, just creating miraculously, God created the spring of water out of this dry rock. This place here, though, it is one, it is the one who calls out is given refreshment. The one who calls out upon the name of the Lord is refreshed, Amen. But it's also here that we're, we're reminded of this, this, this strange paradox in Samson's life. He's violating this vow on one hand, but he's delivering Israel on this other hand. He's so strong when the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, yet he is also so weak in many areas of his life and also physically without the spirit of the Lord. So we see this portrait up to this point of Samson with this total self-reliance and no self-control. 
But in his moment of greatest desperation, he recognizes his dependence upon God. He, he recognizes his reliance on God and asks God for help. Does that describe your life? Are you totally dependent upon God? Are you totally reliant on God in your own life? I pray we get to that point that we are just completely reliant upon God, that we, we go to God for anything and for everything, and especially even in our greatest moments, but in every moment of life, in every moment. The story continues, of course, in, in chapter 16, and we see this, this woman, Delilah, right? Who's heard of Delilah? Yeah, we've all heard of Delilah, and we know the story. She finally nags and nags and finally gets at, at Samson, his secret, his Nazarite vow, where, where God was using this symbol. His hair was a symbol of his strength. It wasn't the source of his strength. It was a symbol of his strength. The source of his strength was who? It was God, right? You think his luscious locks were, that was the reason why he was so strong? No, no, shocker. It's not, it's not. It was God. God was the source of his strength. Not an overabundance, not a commitment to Gold's Gym either, okay? He wasn't just working out like crazy, okay? No, it was from God. And we see that throughout these four chapters as well. There's multiple times where it explicitly uh, states, then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. We see that in, in chapter 14, when he's ripping, upon, ripping apart this lion in half. We see it later on in the chapter in verse 17 at that, that wedding feast, that drinking party. We see the spirit of the Lord rushing upon him when he's striking down those, those 30 Philistines to get their 30 garments. We see it in chapter 16, even at the end of his life, he prays once more to God. And at the very end of his life, God strengthened me once more. And by God, he was strengthened once more. And he brought down that entire temple of Dagon, this, this, this false God that these Philistines worshiped. He brought that entire temple down on all of these guys, on all the people there, and killed more men in that moment, more Philistine men, more Philistine oppressors in that one moment than he did in his entire life. His strength was from the Lord. And too many of us Christians live lives like, like our strength isn't from the Lord. Like I got this, I can handle this on my own. I can figure this thing out by myself. No, we can't live this godly life without the Lord's strength. We need his strength in our lives. I like what it says in Exodus 15. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Also, Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Our strength is from the Lord. Amen. Yes, this story is filled with so many missed opportunities of, of just genuine repentance. We see mistake after mistake in Samson's life. 
Us Christians, we must every single day, even when we fall, even when we make a mistake, even when we sin, we must choose every single day to follow the Lord. We must choose every single day to get back up, lay it before God's feet and follow after God. Every single day, every single day we must commit to this. We must not continue to live like the, the, the men of Israel in Samson's day whom Samson reflected doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. No, we must repent and come to the Lord, turn from our sinful ways and, and turn to God. Compromise after compromise, we see Samson. But, but at least he had the faith to know who to fight. At least he had the faith to know to fight against the Philistines. The oppressors of his people. There was one quote. It was when he's, when he referring to Samson was not saving Israel, he was being Israel. That's powerful. When he wasn't saving Israel, he was being Israel. He was just compromising, right? And that's a danger for all of us. That should be a warning for all of us. Yes, God, use Samson. And yes, Lord, use me, use us, God. But also we want to live a life of holiness. We want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Don't take Samson's lifestyle and say, you know what, I'm going to prescribe this to my life. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> Don't emulate his lifestyle, okay? He missed the mark a lot. Yes, we want to be used by God. Yes, Samson was used by God. But we also want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. We want to live a life that pleases our God. So we want to be useful, but also we want to be fruitful. Amen? How do we know that, that God is pleased with us? We must trust God and we must obey his word. It's simple. We must trust God and we must obey his word. I pray that we live these lives out, this life out. That we take Jesus and we, and we take him by faith and we follow him as his disciple. That's the true cure to compromise. That's the true cure to compromise right there. Just being completely sold out to Christ. Being completely committed to him. Having that evidence of true and saving faith in your life. So the Lord is glorified because his plan will always come and be accomplished in spite of our mess ups, in spite of the folly of his people. How many of you are thankful for that? Thank you, Jesus, for that. And here in this prayer, we see Samson calling out in, in this moment in trust and in faith. Calling out to God. Asking God for his help. And we must do the same in faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this, this particular passage of Scripture, God. Judges 13 through 16, God. I pray that what I've spoken from the pulpit tonight, God, was from you and that, that, we, that I would be you, that it was used, uh, that I was used by you, God, as a vessel, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for the work that you're continuing in, in this church, God, and in every ministry in this church, Lord Jesus. 
I pray, Lord, that we continue as your sons and your, and your, daughter, your daughters and your church, that we continue to live lives, not lives of compromise, God, but lives of faith. That we wouldn't compromise with sin in our lives, but that we would fight sin in our lives. As Samson fought against this oppressive Philistine people. Lord, that you would use us, yes, God, but that we would also be fruitful for you. That we would also live lives that are pleasing to you, Lord Jesus. Young and old alike, God. I pray that this be true of every single person in this place. God, it's all for your glory. It's all in your name and all for your honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.